welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and this week I am not joined by my typical partner in crime, MK, because she's a heathen and she doesn't know anything about this topic that we're going to be discussing. So I've brought in a non-Philistine, Mistress Kirby, who is going by N today. Hello! Hello! Oh my gosh, and I'm so excited. Can't wait. We've Okay, so give you guys some background before you even talk about the topic. So basically, like, we, like, knew each other through other friends and, like, totally, like, got along and were whatever, and then someone let slip that we both shared, like, a sycophantic, insane love of this topic, and it's been, like, we can't stop talking about it. <laughs> It basically, every time we spend more than, like, mm, three minutes yeah, in each other's company, roughly. something will remind one of us of yes. the topic, and then it's just on. It's and, gone. It's yeah. gone forever. And it's, it's like a memory hole. We could talk about oh it my over God. and over again. Yeah. And the same basic things, too, exactly. because it never gets old. Exactly. Well, and the topic that we're discussing this week is Little House on the Prairie. Yay! So before we get started into the minutia and details, and you want to kind of, for those of you who are not fortunate enough to already know what Little House on the Prairie is, and give us the quick rundown. All right, so what we are discussing today is the book series, um, Little House on the Prairie, which is generally used to describe um, the eight main books, and then there's a ninth additional one, which is sort of like outside the general accepted canon, but it's definitely, like, within it. And um, what these books are are um, novels, children's books, that were written by Laura Ingalls Wilder. And she uh, grew up in the 1870s and 1880s. And um, then, you know, later in life was writing her memoirs, essentially. And then through a series of events that we'll describe <laughs> later... Um, they ended up getting uh, transformed into children's books and also were changed just enough to make them novels rather than memoirs. And, um, you know, in terms of the... Lightly fictionalized. Yes. Where, um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's there's something about them that's kind of similar to, like, Ozzie and Harriet in the 1950s, yeah. which is probably a reference that is not helping me at all. <laughs> Um, we were just talking about how we're old. We were literally I'm not, having, I'm not that old, we okay? We were literally just having a conversation about how, like, we're old and we're too old to be on Tumblr with these, like, crazy kids and their vines and their gift sets. Maybe we should all just leave and go back to live journal. I think this that is I not need, helping our I, kids. I think that I need to go back to, like, pre-LJ with that comment. And yeah, just, let's, like, go, let's go back to IRC. Yeah, Let's, like, slash me. Nice. Nice. Um, what I meant by that um, is is that uh, she wrote about her family and, like, you know, and all of the members of her family, um, you know, are called by their actual names. And, you know, she's Laura. Um, and, you know, it's, it's Pa Ingalls and Ma Ingalls. And then um, she has uh, three sisters, one older, Mary, and then uh, two younger sisters. And, um, and, yeah, and so it's a book series. And, like, the first book is uh, Little House in the Big Woods. And... Um, and that's the most sort of children's booky mm-hmm. of all of them, um, where it's, you know, each chapter is a very, um, discreet story, um, and it, it's not, it's not really as serialized as a lot of the stories are in her later novels. And then the second novel is, uh, Little House on the Prairie, which is obviously what most people consider the entire series to be called, you know, or the Little House books is, um... Yeah the other way that people tend to call it. 
And then, and it basically follows her from when she was about, I think she's five, um, in, yeah. in Big Woods. And then it goes all the way up to the eighth book, which is These Happy Golden Years, which is the, um... Her getting married at 16? 16? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Um, I mean, they definitely get engaged at, at 16. Yeah. Um, because there's a whole conversation about, like, when, when she's talking with Ma mm-hmm. about... If she's too young. She's too young. Haste. Right. Um, I think the timeline gets kind of fuzzy there yeah. because the actual historical fact around those, I mean, she, it, it was tweaked liberally. Mm-hmm. There's a whole debate about who actually did the tweaking. Right. Um, I mean, I think you can tell just from listening to this little snippet of us discussing, like, I would, I feel like both of us could get like an easy master's degree. Oh, for in sure. In Anglesology. Well, there, and there is actually, there's a yearly convention, um, that's out in, um, Desmet, right? Yeah, Desmet. Yeah. And, um... And where like people go and present like uh, we've considered papers, this and we have considered. We don't have papers, <laughs> but the thing is, I'm pretty sure. You know, I suggested this, and you laughed, but I'm pretty sure that we have enough whiskey here. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, do. we, we could make act, this happen. We could absolutely. I mean, like, but there's like, oh man, like we're already sort of like sweaty cape wearing fangirls. <laughs> like, can you imagine if no. we're like sweaty cape wearing fangirls, like dismet South Dakota, like oh, Little House on the Prairie convention? Oh. Like, there is like fucking sad, and then there is like a level beneath fucking I mean, sad. I mean. I mean, the heart wants what it wants. It does. But... It does. Well, and, and that's actually... Um, and that's one of the things that's, a, that's really interesting for me about these books and, like, something that we were discussing before we started recording the, um, this podcast is sort of why why we do both have this, like, yeah. insane, lifelong obsession. Yeah. And, like, I... Um, How like, old were you when you first read them? Honestly, I was trying to figure that out because mm-hmm. I, like, Little House, Little House is like Star Wars for me, where I genuinely <laughs> have no memory of not knowing the general narrative of it. And, like, not, like, I, I know, like, my mom had the hardbound. Mm, um, okay, the yellow yeah, ones? Exactly, yes, with the, the, the Garth Williams. Um, Garth Williams? Garth Williams. Yeah, um, who was the illustrator for the original um, edition. And, They're um, black and white, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Don't but, buy the colored crap. Um, the, I mean, obviously, you can have, like, the, the, the book jackets that are colored, but, like, the actual pictures inside the book should be black and white. Yeah. And um, it's very important. And, <laughs> um, uh, and, like, they were just, they were always there. And I, I would bring them with me everywhere. Yeah. And, like, and so if there was ever a point when, like, I had, you know, a certain amount of time to kill, like, I would always just be reading um Mm -hmm. and I had a very clear sort of order of the books in terms of which ones I liked the best and which ones like I've read the least yep and uh, I'd actually be really interested to find out what your order is I mean I I, we're gonna find out soon yay and um but yeah and and like one of the books actually um a little house or a little town on the prairie um which is the second to last uh book in the series um uh, or the eight um original ones really and um, I lost that book, or my mom said for years that I had lost that book, and she had to buy a new one and replace it, and mm-hmm. it was like, and it was of the same edition, but like the publisher had changed a little bit, so it didn't yeah. look the same with the rest of the set. And I was so upset and so <laughs> sad because I was like, I would never have lost this book. You don't understand. And like years later, she found it in one of my. <laughs> In one of my dad's old briefcases that I would, like, take with me to various places when I had to, like, wait, like, if, you know, various different places. And it's that book and about, like, six Reese's Peanut Butter Cup wrappers. (laughs) 
because I had like raided the like old Halloween candy. Nice. And like that was my idea of a good time. Was I, like I'm not gonna lie, that still sounds like a pretty good time. Right? Yeah. You know, that's better than most parties. I and, I agree. Um, Again, we're old. Yeah. Yeah. And um maybe I would add some whiskey now, but you know, aside from that. Yeah. And um but yeah, but I just always like I I think I was probably seven or eight the first time that I did, like, a full, like, read of it. I can Um, actually, I can pinpoint it exactly. Because, so, I've talked about this before. I'm a first-generation immigrant. I was actually born in China. And when we moved to the U.S., basically, like, my family, like, doesn't have, you know, like, I have, like, a literature background and, like, I have a literary, like, childhood stories background, but all of those are completely unrelated to the Western canon. So, like, I grew up reading all sorts of crazy shit that, like, was totally age-inappropriate. Like, <laughs> Dream of the Red Mansions, like, Journey to the West, like, it's all peeing and incest and cousin death, um, which explains a lot about me as a grown-up. Yes. Yeah. But so... I mean, some of us also had flowers in the attic. That's so, true. You know? That's true. So, I mean, we do share some connective tissue there <laughs> yeah. across that great wide ocean. <laughs> um, but I first came across Little House books in the fourth grade, um, and it was really odd the way I came through it, because we didn't read any of the original Little House books. We huh. read an excerpt from Farmer Boy. Oh. Yeah, and I can, it's the excerpt where those of you who know the series, this is the chapter where Mom Pa leaves town to I visit knew it was be that family, one. and Eliza Jane is running the household. And I read that, and it was photocopied out of an old Garth William, like an old Garth Williams illustrated copy. And I still remember like the weird dots on the paper from having been photo it, having been photocopied so many times, and just falling immediately in visceral love with the illustrations Mm -hmm. as well as this very meticulous recounting of a life that was pastoral and completely divorced from the reality that I knew. Like I could still tell you the recipe that Alice uses to make pound cake and like whipping the custard Mm -hmm. for ice cream and like the pig and like the taffy. It's just everything about that story like resonates. So we only had to read that chapter for class. But basically, as soon as like I had read it, like my next stop was the school library where I checked out the rest of the book Farmer Boy. And at that period in my life, we were going we were doing like the weekly trip to the public library where I would get like 400 books and just read all of them because um, I had no friends. Mm-hmm. So I think that I, like, read Farmer Boy in the course of, like, two days, and then that, and, like, read it over and over and over again, and then the next time we were at the library, I went to the children's librarian at, I can still remember this, at the Cameron Village Library, public library in Wake County, and this is before they had the overhaul, so this is back when the children's section still retained its charm, um, and, like, went up to the little desk that used to be in the middle, like, you know, near the circulars and away from the wall of Chris Van Allen books and, like, the Tin Tin Stacks. And I was like, I read this book by this lady called Laura Ingalls Wilder. It was called Farmer Boy. And I was wondering if she had any other books. And the lady, like, had this look on her face and took me to the shelf. And there were, like, so many other Laura Ingalls Wilder books. Oh, my God. She must have been so delighted to get to, I took like, all of them. <laughs> yes. I took all of them. She gave me the whole set. She was like, it starts with a little house in the big woods. And then, like, took me all the way through these happy golden years. 
And I remember this, the whole thing about um, which book you like the most is so interesting. It is. Because in the fourth grade, how old are you? Like seven, eight years old? Fourth is um, like nine or ten. Okay. So like maybe nine years old. Mm -hmm. My favorite book was Big Big Woods, Mm -hmm. Little House in the Big Woods. Mm -hmm. Something about it was marvelous to me. Yep. And I grew up in the South. Wake County is in in North Carolina. So like we had no fucking snow. Right. As as like a child. Like school shut down, highway shut down, life shut down. And so like the woods of Wisconsin would have been Yeah, with like the snow drifts was like Mm -hmm. a completely alien concept to me. And um, it wasn't until years later, I was probably, I, I have to say that I was like, over the age of 15 years old when we got a huge snowfall and like my friend and I were like both at my house so we got stuck there and like we were sitting on my couch and we were like looking at the fridge and we we're sitting on the couch and we we're looking <laughs> at the fridge and we we're like do you think that fucking syrup thing works and so of course like yep. no school my parents were like I don't know where they were they were somewhere else in the house and like we like snuck out onto the deck and, and we're like, like trying to make out. maple syrup chill did not work. It doesn't work, guys. Look, because you have to boil it. Because, like, the thing about it is that you have to basically, you have to basically candy the sugar before. Yeah, it, like, and you have to it'll, hit it right at the point Yeah, where before it it'll actually get to, like, the taffy pulling part of it. Because, yeah, I mean, so one of the main things about the, um, and the, one of the things that's actually really interesting to me about the series as a whole is that it, you know, it starts off with them, um, you know, Little House in the Big Woods where, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's them and all of their family, basically. Yes. And so it's a huge extended family on both Ma's side and on Pa's side where, um, you know, and where they all live together and they all work together and, like, you know, Pa's out, like, you know, hunting bear and, like, that kind of thing. But, like, it's a very communal feeling, supportive mm-hmm. world. And so, like, one of the things that, that you know, that they, they end up getting together for is... A sugaring off dance. A sugaring off dance. And, um, and... It's really interesting, like, looking back on it and sort of seeing the way in which um, Big Woods feels wealthy. Yes. Compared to so many of the years that they have once they actually go out to the prairie. You know, and I are used, homesteaders. I used to think that it was about money, and mm-hmm. now I look back on it, and it's I think about, it was about family. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, they were so... Isolated. Lonely. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was really odd to me as a child, because I have to say, like, if I was ranking these books... My least favorite of the books, it's, it's like, a very difficult pick for me. But, I mean, like, obviously I think I hated, um, oh, shit, I can't believe I'm saying this. Was it Plum Creek or Silver Lake where Mary goes Sil- blind? Silver Lake. And Silver Lake <clears throat> is by far my least favorite. Silver Lake is my it's, least favorite. It's awful. And the thing about that Silver... Entire, it's Prairie, Silver Lake, and Plum Creek is where they're the loneliest. Mm-hmm. I, I did not... I, I love them, but I don't love them as much. The only one of the three, actually, of those three that I like, and when I was a kid, my favorite, actually, was Plum Creek. Really? Uh, I love Big Woods, but mm-hmm. um, the, the thing for me about um, about Plum Creek is that it's it's the one of the three where there's actually hope. Like, they yes. haven't actually hit the despair yeah. of being alone and isolated and without any like real support and also just like the descriptions of that house too for me where like for me like with the you know the house the, is very charming like because the the house that they build you know it's on the banks of plum creek and and it literally they they live in a, a hobbit, hobbit hole. hole like yeah that's 
dug out of the earth that's right on a creek. Yeah. And um, and I was just always so fascinated as a child by how that would even work. work. Like, yeah. what the fuck is that? And whereas, like, the, you know, the wood cabin kind of thing and, like, you know, or even, you know, the, the house that they build later on in, um, in Little Town and, and these Happy Golden Years, especially where they actually have glass for the windows yep. and, like, that's such a huge, huge deal. Like, all of that, I was like, oh, I get houses. I even get, like... Yeah log houses yeah but the idea of living in a mud hut basically was so foreign to me that it was just kind of that there was a part of it that was just sort of charming weirdly and um well I think there's also something very like there's something more than regularly pastoral about mm -hmm. that particular book It, Mm -hmm. it has a lot to do with the house yeah where up until now it was them you know cutting trees and using the lumber to fill build furniture and to some extent they still do that but it's a whole different ball game by the time they hit Plum Creek because right. they're digging a hole out of the ground to live in and because there's no lumber because they're literally you know on, on the prairie on the prairie and they like live next to this creek and it's just green tall prairie grasses and I have this very vivid image of the cover of Plum mm-hmm. Creek me too um, of With her, her like, running, running through and the, the grass and, the hair. and yep. the hair, which is like fairly short for a girl, just like flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. And there's something really darling about mm-hmm. that vision. And then it's smacked down in the, the thing, next book. The thing, the thing about um, so Silver Lake is is awful for a couple of different reasons. So Actually, the order is big house, little house on the prairie, farmer boy. Farmer Boy, which is not technically part of the series, really. because Farmer Boy is about the um, the childhood of Laura's eventual husband, Almanzo, mm-hmm. and where he grew up. And he grew up in upstate New York, and, and he was actually wealthy. He was actually wealthy. Like his fa- his father was a very successful farmer, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where like they're wealthy, but at the same time, like Manny was waking up at like you know four o'clock in the morning every morning mm-hmm. to do his chores before he went to school. Yeah, but and they also like, had donuts. They had donuts. They had they had white sugar. Like one of the main points of the of the fabulous chapter about mm-hmm. when mother and father go away and leave them in charge. They eat all the sugar. They eat all of the sugar. And and like they literally leave, leave like tiny like cracks like in the in the bottom and um and Alice like her her defense of her mother when she comes home is she said well you said not to eat all of it there's some there's, there's like some a whole teaspoon like, at the exactly bottom. and but just the fact that they had white sugar the fact that they had process that wasn't just you know molasses or you know yeah. maple syrup maple syrup from when they were in Wisconsin or anything else like that like the 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 difference in wealth they had horses like they yeah. you know th- there was they had a farm. They had a farm. They had, like, know. a whole farm, and they had horses. So the, then it's Farmer Boy, and then followed by Plum Creek. Then Silver Lake. Then Silver Lake, then Little Town. No, then no. The Long Winter. Thank you. Oh, my God. I know. Long Winter. Then Little, Little Town. Town on the and then These Happy Golden Years. Yeah, and then there's a, there's a ninth book, which... Um, I don't think really counts. It doesn't really count, because it's just... It's it's a very different feeling book, and it's more of a novella anyway, but yeah. it's... it's um, it's the first four years. And if you ever want to feel really sad about oh my stuff, God. go read the first four years. And it's so funny because, like, a lot of the things about um, Laura's adult life is hard, you know, in the same way that you would expect anyone's life really to be, given, you know, when and how she grew up and that yeah. kind of thing. But that, oh, God, that, that, that book, it just... Like you go out on such a high, at least for me, yeah. with these happy golden Absolutely. years, because it's so it's it's so satisfying and it's such a compelling love story. And yeah. 
And, like, that wasn't the thing that got me when I was really little and reading the books. Oh, but, but it like, gets you, it gets you, gets you so back. hard. So hard. And, um... And then, and then it's just like, it's like boom reality. I mean, and, and it feels kind of like, okay, actually, so it sort of feels to me the way that like it does when I'm reading a fic and I really just want something like super tropey and super awesome and yeah. super just like, give me, give me whatever, you know, inconceivable, like, you know, pretend boyfriends or whatever fuck But it else. has like, to have a happy ending. And it has to have a happy ending. And then you end up getting a fic which, which has the same exact trope and your same OTP and you're still like, oh my god, I cannot wait to read this. And it's like, yes. And here's the realism version of this story. <laughs> and you're just like, the fuck is this? Like, who and wants this? Up for this shit. Exactly. Like, this is not what I am here for. And so, like, it's a really... It's a really weird, like, bookend to the books. It's a it's a deeply strange bookend to the books. And I, I would have to say, I didn't actually read the first four years for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, like, thank you, Children's Library and at Cameron Village Library. For not, for giving, not no, giving it yet, to absolutely. me. Like, the last one I read was These Happy Golden Years. Um, but yeah, well, we can discuss that a little bit later. Yeah, 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 I think because I think it dovetails nicely into absolutely. some of the real life stuff. But in terms, so my least favorite was Silver Lake mm-hmm. because... Mary goes blind. So Mary, um, Laura's older sister, goes blind. And this is really significant for two reasons. Because I think that you have this, like, sort of bleak existential view of, like, what Manifest Destiny life must have been for some homesteaders. Like, how, like, you either have too sugary of you or, like, too awful of you. Whereas, like, because this is being very, it's being softened by the editing, but also not completely having all of its rough edges rubbed off. So you have, like, you have the absolute, like, pain and, like, despair that they felt when they were all sick with dysentery and, like, when their houses burned down or, like, when they were terrified by X, Y, and Z or wolves or they thought Pa was... Like, so you have all of these things, these incursions onto their life, but you also have things like Mary goes blind and it's terrible. But it's not like she's, like, they don't love her anymore. Right. She's no longer cared for. Like, this essential thematic element of the rest of the series is how much... Laura goes from being sort of like in a constant locked rivalry with her much prettier, she thinks better older sister into becoming her greatest advocate right. and her best friend. And it's arguably where her writing comes from. because oh, She had to learn how to be so descriptive of the world. And it's also where so much of her adventure comes mm-hmm. from because she had to have courage to go out and take jobs in order to help send her sister to school, school for the blind. Yeah, no, it's... it's, And I think that that's actually the thing about Silver Lake that makes it, for me, the book that I've read the least by mm-hmm. far. Yeah. By far. By far. And um, and also, because it just, it just leaves me with a deep, deep sense of sadness. Yes. Because it's terrible because Mary goes blind, and, you know, and it's one of those things where also, like, things that I randomly know um, through other sources, but, you know, it's... You know, the Ingalls had four daughters, but it's not like Ma only bore four children. It's yeah. just that all of the boy children died. And, um, but it's, but it's also, it's, that's a huge thing. And it's not, it's not the same as, you know, in some sort of, you know, um, context where it's, oh, well, how are we going to have the dowries for these women? But it's also, it's a huge blow yeah. for this family to not have a son. Yeah, like who's going to carry on, like right, the family you know. name, and who's going to take care of the parents? Well, and like you know, and, and you see that with um, Farmer Boy, where you know it's it's Almanzo and his older brother, mm-hmm. and and they are so instrumental in terms of like helping, yeah, even with labor. this very very prosperous farm that has you know um, 
they hire out, so it's not that it's just them working the farm or anything like that. But they're absolutely key. Yeah, it, you know, it would not it would not manage without the without them doing that. And so one of the things though with Silver Lake is that you have Mary Blind, which is just this huge blow because she's so in Laura's eyes, is so good and so pure and so... Perfect. How could something like this happen to her? And everything that Laura isn't. Because it seems to Laura that Mary does all of these things effortlessly. (laughs) And so then all of a sudden you have this fallibility, like, in in the worst possible way. And and then on top of that, there was no work. And so um, Silver Lake is when Pa went off to the railroads. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's walking like 30 miles like huge distances in order to get any sort of work and leaving his family yeah alone in the middle of the prairie you know in a house in the middle of nowhere basically i feel like a lot of like my issues with like men actually started with me reading the little house books like upon later review of the series yeah. i really think a lot of it comes from like the little house books and to give you some context, in case you're listening to this and you don't, like, know these books as encyclopedically as we do for some reason. Maybe you went out and, like, <laughs> went on dates and stuff. That's so weird. I know. Right? Nerds. Um, <laughs> is that... So, if you follow the sort of underlying, like, subtext of the subtext of the subtext, is that Caroline Ingalls, like, there, there have been so many books written around the Central mm. series, which is something we could talk about later, but... Caroline Ingalls, the historical Caroline Ingalls, Ma Ingalls, comes from, like, a fairly well-off family from the East Coast, Mm -hmm. and she was a teacher, marries Charles Ingalls, who is, like, not super rich, but she loves him, because she's, right, we're all fucking idiots to our Right. Hormones. Um, and she would have been perfect. She fell in love. Okay, sure. Yeah. She would have been perfectly happy <laughs> mm-hmm. to stay in the big woods. Yep. Where they didn't have a wealthy life, but they had one that was prosperous and, and friends secure. and family and secure with everyone that they knew. But it was Charles who always wanted to go west. Yep. And it's a continuous thread that he and Laura share yep. where they both want to go. Yep. But it's like every single time they go, their life gets worse well, until the very, very end. And but it's and it's also though it's such a story of like the way, the way that homesteading and the way that you know settling the frontier um, and you know systematically displacing everyone that had lived there for you know however long, forever. Yeah, um, that whole thing that the U.S. government was so intent on doing. Um, but it, but it's also that like. His his optimism, and I do genuinely like at least the way that she presents him. Yeah, is deeply optimistic, and and is also deeply determined not just to survive but to win. Yes, and um, and you know what that ends up doing to his wife, who just you know. I wouldn't say that she just goes along with it, but, you know, he's the she one... She endures. Right. Like, she, like he's the one who's making the decisions of when they pack up and go. Like, he asks her, but, yeah. like, she's going to defer to his wishes. Right. And the only reason that they don't eventually leave DeSmet is because she finally fucking puts her foot down. Yeah. And is like, no, we're good here. We're good here. The girls have school. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Like, I've, I've left too many houses... 
Yeah. And too many beds and I've traveled too far to do this anymore. Right. And I feel, and I genuinely, I mean, like, it's it's obviously, like, crazy to try and imagine what their lives would have been. Right. But, like, what if they'd never left the big woods? Like, right. would, would her life been as difficult? Right. Would they have had as many tragedies? Like, so much of what happens to them is, is tragic. Is tragic because, in part because no one is, no one else is there to help them. And in part because they're pushed to their extremes. Right. If they had had a little bit more breathing space, like, would it have been this bad? I don't know. Yeah, and I have no idea, but the one thing that I do think is interesting is the is how many of her, of her relatives end up coming west, too. That's true. And so I think that there, I, I, you know, I, I think that there's, I don't know enough about the history of, of Wisconsin in the late 19th uh, <laughs> Thank century God. To, to be able to speak on this, um, but... <laughs> That's only because the book we both really want to read is, like, backordered everywhere. <laughs> so annoying. Um, <laughs> I was so afraid that I was going to get here, and you were going to be like, you haven't you haven't read it yet? No, I can't you get my hands on it. <laughs> um, but, but, no, but I do think that there is that where, you know, there, there are so many different choices that they make where it seems like couldn't, wouldn't it have been better if they had stayed? But on the other hand, like... For so many of them, the things that they thought that they were going out to be able to do ended up being such terrible ideas, and it's one of those things where it's, you know, like, I can look at it and be like, well, you're not actually going to be able to turn the prairie into a forest, because that's not what the prairie wants to be, Yeah, and you're going to be fighting the land for the entire time, so maybe don't do that, but like, you know. I mean, we have the benefit of hindsight and ecology. Right. Right, exactly. But... But it is, I, I mean, I, I think that, but so going back in terms of, like, which books are are the ones that, like, especially as a child that I liked the least, like, the three, the three big ones for me mm-hmm. were, I didn't like Silver Lake. Yep. Um, I didn't actually like Little House on the Prairie. Me neither. Like, I, I, still don't. I know, me neither, I, I, I almost never reread that one. Like, the lot I, like, I reread it because I did a whole reread of the mm-hmm. entire series um, when I was trapped in a house without power with my parents for a week um, during Hurricane Sandy because sometimes you have to go back to New Jersey and make sure that your parents are aware of the hurricane that's coming. True story. I called them the Sunday before the storm hit Mm -hmm. and was like, so I'm coming out there because I don't know what's going to be going on in Brooklyn and I also want to make sure that you and dad are okay. And mom was like, oh, is it supposed to be bad? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so, um, and as a result, I got stranded there for a week because none of the Jersey Transit trains were running. Um, but so I read through the entire thing, and when I was reading um, Little House on the Prairie, I was like, I can't remember the last time I actually read this book. Yeah. Because, because it's right in the middle between, it's, it's not the glorious childhood of, of joy and adventure and just story time that, that um, the Big Woods is. Because Big Woods is just... It's about a it's about a dad who can do no wrong, and about like these amazing sort of like family experiences, and just everything sounds fun. And you're like, why is a pig's bladder awesome? But it is, and like all of these roast pig's tail. I know, and like all of these different things, and then you get to Little House on the Prairie, and it's just misery, and um, and Ma is unhappy, and Mary is is insufferable, and you just like. Yeah. Like, she's... You understand where Laura's, Laura's resentment... Well, that's actually one of the things that's really amazing about the books for me is the fact that, like, 
she, as a writer, does not sugarcoat mm-hmm. the way that Laura, the character, felt about any of the members in, of her family. And, yeah. like, and she takes it on herself a lot. Like, she definitely, there's a lot of, like, personal recrimination for the fact that she feels the way that she does about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and so I, and that, that's like one of the reasons why I do think that I've stuck with the series for so long is because I find Laura to be such a deeply sympathetic and self-aware protagonist and character yeah. that even when she is in the wrong, mm-hmm. I understand her. <laughs> I also think that, I mean, to sort of, this is a very significant portion of why, and this is the next major point of discussion, is, like, why we love these books right. so much and why they've had the lasting power that they do. A very significant portion of it that I never considered until I was um, much older is how lovely a female character mm-hmm. every... Like, there's very few men in the universe of the mm-hmm. Little House books, you know? Um, for all the fact that it was a male-dominated world, this is written by Laura, and she lived in the little houses, you know? Mm-hmm. This is a book about women mm-hmm. and their lives during this really interesting period of U.S. history. Um, and it's also told from the point of view of a little girl who had all of these, like, societal expectations placed on her. But interestingly, like, adheres to some, doesn't adhere to some, struggles with some, doesn't struggle with some, and her personality is, like, not at all cardboard cutouty. She's wonderful and awful and just like, mm. I mean, she runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're ever looking for, so so many times people are like, oh, there's just like no books with like female protagonists for young women. I was like, you have to let them read the Little House books. Right. Because I think everyone forgets because they're so entrenched in the Americana that these are not books about like the Midwest and settlers. These are these are books about a very specific person, right. and a very specific family. Mm-hmm. It's about a girl as she grows up from a child to a teenager, and she is like good and bad and everything in between in the middle. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. She's she's a delight. Yeah. I just like I'm I'm sitting here thinking like between how wonderful a person she is as she's like taking her long walks across the prairie with Mary and how she gives up so much of herself just for her sister's happiness. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, lazy, lousy, lousy uh, Jane. Yeah. Oh, uh, um, she, she cries and cries and, um, she's such a pain. Lazy, light, li- L- lazy, lousy, Lizzie Jane. Yeah. Which is like a song that she writes about her teacher and like drives the, the woman out. Her future sister-in-law. I love that part of it. I love that part of it so much. Um, Yeah, no, I mean that's that's the thing is that she really she she writes she writes things that she did in a more honest way than most people would ever have the guts to do. I would say, like in terms of you know publishing it and and really. And really knowing that even though they're novels, that everyone is going to read them, yeah. and automatically because it's her, everyone knows, everyone knows it's her. Yeah. And and you kind of have to believe the bad stuff because why else would she put it in? <laughs> and um, yeah, and and I think that like part of the reason actually with with Silver Lake, one of the reasons why I don't like it particularly is because. Because Laura hasn't actually fully accepted the fact that this is what she needs to do now. Yeah. 
And because, you know, Mary going blind means that, I mean, the key thing here is that Mary going blind means that Mary can't be a teacher. And which means that Mary has suddenly gone from being a member of the household who could reasonably be expected to contribute consistent income yep. until or unless she got married, which she almost certainly would have done if she had yep. gone blind. Um, and although it's really interesting because it's never actually discussed as being something that is thought of for her future. Yeah. But that could just be because of how young Laura was when she went blind. And, um, and all of a sudden she goes from having that promising future for the family to being someone who is going to be an eternal dependent. Yeah. Yeah. And who is always going to need someone to care for them. And for Laura, what that means is that, you know, half pint, this tomboy, Mm -hmm. this, this girl who does not want to be a girl in the way that girls had to be girls in the 19th century. Um, and in particular in that world within it, um, you know, all of a sudden it was all on her. And all of a sudden, she had to be the good one. Yeah. Because Mary was still so good, but now couldn't actually deliver on that. Yeah. And and so Silver Lake is just this, this slow death of the, of the joyful, exuberant, yeah. young Laura. And you don't get to the part where she really takes that on. And, like, and accepts it and embraces it and, yeah. like, really is remarkable, you know, yeah. in terms of what she does to become a teacher, even though she hates it. Yeah. And to do what she needs to do for her family. And and she is just, she is so stubborn. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, I, like, I just have so many feelings. I know, I know. I about, know exactly what you mean. About her and what she does for her family. Yep. And and the fact and, and I also have feelings about the fact that she falls in love and like lets herself love and yes. like, and, like <laughs> oh, are you crying? No. <laughs> Give me the whiskey. <laughs> okay. So my other two least favorite books are the same as yours. Yeah. Plum Creek and Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. They're, those are my least favorites because I think you're right. They're this weird interstitial period. Yeah. Where. I, I think that there's like a well, and Plum Creek has a little ha, does have some of it. Like it, it, it has it has the last of like the childhood joy that you don't get at all in Prairie, and yeah. that you certainly don't get in Silver Lake. But you don't get to the like the reinvention yet. Yeah. Um. Because the big thing is that in Plum Creek, Pa hasn't left yet. Yeah. And so Pa Pa is still around, and their relationship is so central to a lot of where her joy comes from. Yeah. When she's little. Well, because for she loves her ma, right? And ma's lovely and wonderful. Um, but ma's always, you know, ma's always given her stuff to do. Yeah, and like ma's very much like a taskmaster. And like in terms of like a source of like comfort mm. and like a playmate in a weird way, like her father's where right. it's always been. Yeah, and it's like once he leaves for that railroad job, he's not gone forever. No, no, no. But like it. Things are very different. It's a it's a desolate world suddenly for them. Yeah. It feels and things like. are very and it's very frightening, mm-hmm. you know, because he's well, suddenly I mean, not there. So is so is the long winter. I mean, I can I just say the long <laughs> winter is a book that I had to learn to love. Oh, me and too. And then once I did, it's like it's permanently in my it's heart. It's like it's seared in there. It, it's actually. 
I feel sort of similarly about it that I do about Empire, honestly, because when I was a kid, like, there were parts of Empire Strikes Back that I loved, but it was never one of my, it was never my favorite of the three. Yeah. But especially for me as a kid, it wasn't my favorite because it was so dark and because it was, you know, it has a, um, an unresolved, let's say, ending. The thing, the thing about The Long Winter for me is that, A, the book itself feels interminable when you're a kid. Yes, Jesus Christ. Because because it feels like nothing happens. And then you read it as an adult, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're like, oh, the reason why it feels like nothing happens is because they're all slowly starving to death. <laughs> and they're all gonna die. And yes. they all would have died if they hadn't fucking gone for the wheat. And am like... <laughs> There's like, as soon as you said gone for the wheat, a little voice in my head goes, Cap Garland is the dreamiest boy in all of this men. <laughs> I have a fucking sickness. <sighs> and, um, and so it was a book that went, like, once I read it, like, I, I got to a point where I read it where I was old enough to, I, I honestly think, and then all of a sudden I was like, wow, like, I, I'm, I'm actually understanding what's happening. Yeah. And, um, and that's actually one of the books that I find to be the most interesting regarding her daughter later on. Um, oh, I don't know this stuff. Well, just in in term, yeah. And so, like, The Long Winter now for me is such, like, a springboard into yeah. Little Town and these happy golden, golden years. years. And I loved, I loved Little Town first. Mm-hmm. And then once I was ready, basically. Because I think you have to be a certain age you to do. love happy golden years. Because when you're younger, like, when you're little... Reading it, the book is very confusing to it you. It is. Because you're kind of like, but what's why happening? Why are you doing there? This? Like, yeah. why are you doing this? Oh my god, these people sound terrible. Go home. Like, there's a knife being pulled in the middle of the night. Who cares if Mary can go to blind people's school? <laughs> there's like a lady with a knife standing over your bed. Yeah. Like, all of these things come up. And like, the whole courtship mm-hmm. of Laura and Almanzo, like, doesn't really hit you until because you're it's, older. Because it's so subtle. And the thing yeah. is that it's so controlled. It's so subtle. You don't, and like, and the thing that I never appreciated when I it's was all a kid, in the doing. it's all in the doing and it's all, and like, and, and she is so strong and she is so like, like one of the things I actually really, really love the most yeah. is, is the scene where she tells Ma and Pa or where, where Pa's like, yeah, he came to see me this afternoon and I, I, I guess it was okay. And, and Ma makes the comment about if you're sure it's not just the horses that you have the feelings about. And... <laughs> I'm so glad you guys can't see my face. I'm so embarrassed to be alive right now. <laughs> okay, for those of you who didn't get to see that, I said I said the word horses and broom. Like, her face like just sort of like crumpled, and she looked up like to heaven, and was just sort of like, and but that's it. But like, but it's one of those things where, and then, and then Laura says, "I couldn't have one without the other." Yep. And Ma smiles, and 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 Pa like clears his throat gruffly, <laughs> yeah, because they both understand what she was too shy to say, and like I remember that, yep. like I rem- I like I. 
I genuinely am not saying the scene more verbatim because I don't want to be that embarrassing for myself, but I could probably do it. Like, I've, I mean, like, I've read you it and so I could, much. Like, straight up extemporaneously, like, cosplay <laughs> the proposal right now. Oh my god. It's like. The garden and the edit. Yeah, yeah like, the what first would you finger- say if, like, someone gave you a ring? ring? Like, it would depend on, like, who gave, gave it, it to me. If I were to. Then it would depend, depend on the, the ring. ring. And then like, ah! through her hand. And, like, and like the entire thing of it, like, you may kiss me goodnight and they share their first kiss. Like, it's just, it's, it's so much. And part of it is because, like, it's so restrained. But the thing is that the writing from the beginning to the end mm-hmm. of the series is all so restrained. And so, like, there's just, there, there's so much depth to it because it's not oversold. Like, nothing is ever done. Like, nothing is sensational. Nothing is, like overwhelming but you have this like one of the things that happens in um these happy golden years where you begin to realize that he's courting her because yes. you you would never do this if you were a sane person hell's no if you weren't like this is the woman i want to marry i mean like and even if that and i mean like in a world of tinder i'd be like nah i'm swiping this one because yeah, it's no. like fucking cold outside oh my well i was thinking about i, I told you that uh, prue um <laughs> prue asked me last week when it was like really fucking cold in new york city whether or not i wanted to record a podcast on this topic <laughs> And I had, that morning, as I was bundling up, had in my mind for the entire time the sequence at the beginning of, yeah. the, of the book when she is preparing for the 40-mile sleigh ride back from this terrible, terrible school out in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> where she's alone with crazy where people. Where she's alone with crazy people who are like, I mean, and you know, God bless, because I'm sure that there were a lot of women on the prairie who were that close to doing that because fuck that shit. Yeah. Like, seriously. But, um, but, you know, still pulling knives in the middle of the night, not a great thing. And so, and, and he, he drives his horses out to pick her up Mm -hmm. on Friday night and then drives her back home. And, and when I was bundling up to make it, you know, the half mile from my apartment to my subway stop, I was, like, thinking of Laura and of that picture of the scarf that's, like, tied yeah. all the way around and, the, and like... And the and, veil And the veil her over her face and the fact that, like, he kept on having to shake her to make sure that she didn't fall asleep in the cold and breaking the ice off of the horse's noses and, like, all of this stuff. And, like, and that's what he was doing with his weekends. Like, that is a man... <laughs> That is a fucking keeper, like, ladies right? and gentlemen. I mean, if you're not willing to do that for me, I'm not sure it's I mean, going to work. If you're also not willing to like go in search of seed weed to like save our entire town from death <laughs> with your friend Cap Garland, uh, Cap, 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 who's the heartthrob of those novels somehow. Whatever happened to him and Mary Powers? That's what I want to know. Actually, sad thing. I know. So no I one know. ever look up the true fate of Cap Garland or Mary Power. Just assume that they got married. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but yeah, but so the, the, but like Little Town is when she starts, you know, turning into quote unquote a woman, which means that the book starts when she's 14, (laughs) but like the entire purpose of the book is basically for her to, you know, enter society Mm -hmm. and like actually give in and start wearing corsets and start wearing dresses that are all the way down to her shoes. And she goes through the process and like is really... Not at all jazzed about getting to do that at all. And, and you know, and her hair is all the way down to her knees and, like, brushing it. And, like, and I remember I loved the fact that she was, you know, she had brown hair and she hated it as a child because, you know, her sister had, like, the golden curls and all of that. And 
that was so my experience and yeah. like you know I would look terrible with blonde hair but like that was not the point you know yeah. it was just this image and it was so it was lovely honestly to have that kind of reflected back it was at also me. wonderful to have read seven novel well six novels yeah where Laura spends a lot of time coveting her sister's golden locks and thinking about how beautiful Mary is and to realize that at the end of the novels, that of the sisters, right. it's agreed that Laura was the most beautiful and right. that her hair was her crowning glory. Yep. Like, there's... And I know that there's, like, a very vapid element of that, that, like, oh, surprise, you were beautiful all along. But, like, that's something wonderful to realize. Yeah. And it's and it's such... And it's... Yeah. And, and it's not the... It doesn't... It doesn't feel like that's what makes it all better. No. It just happens to be and and you don't you never get the feeling that like the reason why Almanzo drives forty miles there and back is because of her beauty first and foremost. Like no. it's not that he doesn't think that she's beautiful, but like that's never that's never actually that's discussed. never remotely you know he he love he, he I always feel like he falls in love with her because he's like, I'm trying to break in this pair of horses. Yes. And she decides to go. Do you want to come help me? And she's like, sure, I will figure out a way to jump into that fucking With my hoop skirts. With my hoop skirts. Between the wagon wheels. Yep. And no one's going to be able to hold the carriage. Yep. And like... And, and, like, that's the spirit and, like, that's who she is as a person that he falls in love with. And so, and then on top of it, it's like, you know, you do get the reward of, oh, and then it turns out that she's not actually a hideous troll. <laughs> but, like, that's not why good things happen to her. No, you know? and I mean, like, I think that's another element of it, right? Like, because as a child, like, you, no one ever appreciates Happy Golden Years as a kid. No. Because you can't, like, you can't. It's not designed in a way that you would appreciate. Well, the first seven chapters are just like, I mean, she's just off all ball it by herself, like, teaching. It's terrible. Like, it's it's wretched. And, like, really bad. And it's not until you're older and you've experienced things similar to that, mm -hmm. or you can actually start to read into the subtext of it that you get it. Yeah. And the whole story is such. I remember when I read it as a child, I was like, what a sort of, like, weird, flat courtship. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, like, my whole conception of love was, like, it should be the Princess Bride, or it should be, like, a Disney movie, or something like that. Right. But as you get older and you read it, you start seeing all these, like, lovely pieces of nuance in it, and that, like... Almanza will never be a man of many words, but he will be that guy who, like, fucking drives out 80 Mm -hmm. miles every weekend Mm -hmm. and, like, breaks the ice off of your veil to bring you home so you can spend two days with your family. And he doesn't expect you to spend time with him. No. He just wants you to be happy. Right. And, like, to sit in fucking freezing silence with him. Yep. And then later on you find out, like, why he did it, right? right? So you get a little bit more of the backstory woven in, and it's that, like, he's been looking at her for a while now. Right. But that, um... And, and in a way that's, like, that's not creepy and, and that's the thing about it, is that, like, him... He's noticed her. And because, well, right, but also just, like, because of what the cultural expectations were around courtship and what that meant and what it was to court a, a girl and, mm-hmm. like, all of that sort of thing... There's there isn't actually any sort of like gross nice guy expectation no. of him. I'm going to drive these miles for you. Like it no. literally, you know. Like obviously he eventually wants to marry her, but it's not like he takes her home for the last time and then is like, boom, we're going to get married. It's like literally a year and a half later within the narrative of that book. Yeah, 
And, and he, like, fucks up hilariously oh, along the way. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and, like, like there is... And, and, and the thing that's fantastic about it is that he fucks up. He fucks up in ways where you genuinely are just sort of like, you are a dumb, dumb man. Like, yeah. you are just a dumb, big bear of a man. But, like, Laura's response is also it's so, so great. It's so fantastic. So, basically, the setup is that he, like, takes her on carriage rides, like, the way that the young people who are courting go, and he's been picking her up for carriage rides every Sunday after church. And one Sunday, he runs up along um, her, Laura Ingalls' like, mortal enemy in life, and mine, Nellie Olson. Who is the worst. Worst human alive. Worst. Worst human. And, like, stupidly is like, oh, I thought, like, you guys are the same age. You went to school together. I Obviously guess you're, you're friends. friends. So I'm going to bring her in the carriage with me. That, and that's Nellie, cool, right? Yeah, it's like, legit, seems legit, right? So, like, Nellie is, like, all wrapped around his arm and, like, screaming and, like, oh, Nellie. And is bad and, and is bad with horses and so yep. scared of what they're doing. And Laura deliberately provokes the horses. Yep. with, and, and it's just, like, and, and it's just so fantastic because then they drop off Nellie. And then Manly is, like, trying desperately to salvage something where he's figured out that he's fucked up but isn't quite sure how yet. And um, and so he's like, so um, we'll, we'll, we'll do this next week. And she's like, um, we'll not all do this next week. And if you pick up Nellie, then don't bother picking me up. Right. Is and essentially what she said. And it's in a very, and it's, you know, and it's in exactly as polite as you would need it to be. Like, mm-hmm. but there's no fucking around. Like, there's no... Nope. There's no, like, it's just literally, like, if you would like to take her for a carriage ride, by all means, take her for a carriage ride. I will not be joining you. Yes. And uh, and then the next weekend, he shows up alone. And it's like... Uh, as he should. Exactly. And But it but it's one of those things where there's, there is such a delightful... Subtlety. And, and also, like, a quality to the extent that there could be in terms of how they come into the relationship. Where she would never, you know, when he says, uh, you know, I wonder what you would do if, if you were offered a ring, mm-hmm. and, the, and the two answers of it would depend on who asked and, and it would depend on the ring, are real for her. That, yeah. like, she is not someone who even in, you know, her family situation was going to accept that from anyone that she wouldn't genuinely want to marry. Right, and I think that, weirdly, in a way that, like, doesn't actually exist that much anymore for a lot of female romantic protagonists, it's because she doesn't need him. Right. She loves him, and she would like him in her life. Right. But she has a pretty good life. Like, she's teaching, she's making a lot of money. Yeah. Like, she's supporting her family, her family is good. She was perfectly happy being with her folks. Mm -hmm. And if she would be perfectly happy with him, but not in a way that, like, she's going to give up everything good in her life for Right. And that doesn't mean that she doesn't... And, but... But when it does become clear that he's the person that she wants to marry... Yeah. Then when she has a conversation with her sister, Mary, about... This fact that, yeah. you know, they're, she's going to obviously move out and they're going to have their own little house and, like, all the rest of it. And Mary is, does not want her to do this. Yep. You know, partly because she doesn't know him because mm-hmm. she would have no opportunity to ever know him in a social way. Yeah. Because when would she, as a single woman, ever know him? Because the only way that, you know, men and women would really be socializing is in a courtship. Yeah. Pretty much. Because he's older enough that he never went to school with them. Yeah. And, um... And, and in that conversation, when Laura does explain in a, in a really gentle but also really very firm way, like, no, but I, I love him. 
you know? She knows her mind. She knows her mind. Like, she knows who she is. She knows what it is that she wants. Like, she's... It's... I just, I, I love her as a character so much, and, and I was thinking about this because, like, I read, um, I read Anna Green Gables and, like, mm-hmm. and that series when I was a child, and I, 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 I love those books, but I have not gone back to them in the same no. way, and, um, and I also, um, really loved the American Girls books. Me too. And, um, and, like, you know, I have a lot of very strong feelings about them in terms of both, like... You know, I I don't think that it's coincidental that all of them were about the way that girls grew up in earlier eras in North America, because that was clearly something that resonated for me. Yeah. But the one that's really stuck with me in terms of, like, how it created a narrative Mm -hmm. and, like, what it was showing about who this girl is or was is really the Little House books for me. Well, because those other books... I mean, like... And you can make the argument that, like, the Anne series went all the way up. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't... I don't know. Like, those books never resonated with me as much. Like, I liked Anne of Green Gables and maybe, like... Anne of Avonlea. Yeah. yeah, maybe one or two of the other ones. But the rest of them never, like, really hit, hit. their mark with me. Yeah. Whereas, like, so those are books to me where a girl is a snapshot. Yeah. She is, like, one perfect, idealized vision of right. girlhood. Right. And, like, that bud on the brink of bursting like there's something like lovely and darling and like non-eroticized but beautiful about Mm -hmm. it whereas Laura with all of her like snags and sharp edges like tears out of her childhood and into her adolescence and adulthood and you are with her every step of the way Mm -hmm. and I think that you know there's that old saying where like in the end it's fine and if it's not fine it's it's not the end. Right. There's something very comforting about this series because it seems to live that trope where it's like in the end, it will be fine, mm-hmm. and you can take comfort in this because of Laura. But I can I want I want us to talk about one more thing before we talk to the other major element of why we love these books so much. Right. <clears throat> and I have to say that it didn't occur to me until I my did I I did my latest reread of these books, which was probably like a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. That the little house that Almanzo built her is the ultimate expression mm-hmm. of his love. Oh, absolutely. And the way that she describes this house, like. It, it's really odd. The way that the book is structured is really odd because in any modern romance story, like the proposal would be the end, or, or maybe the, the wedding, or maybe if it the was wedding, actually... maybe even the kiss yeah. would be the end. Yeah. But like this story actually ends on a weirdly almost like melancholy and peaceful note. Yeah. Because she's married. Her father's given her a cow. I wept like a whore. Oh my like, god! It's just like the worst. He gives her a cow. Oh, that like cow. you sob as they like drive off with the cow and her chest full of blankets and things like that. And they go to the little house and she describes this house and it's how it's set up for her. That's been set up for her and how delicately it's created and how like thoughtfully he's thought of everything and how he's tried to put her things where he thinks that they belong. And this entire house, more than the ring, more than anything else, is the promise that he's making for her because he built this with his own fucking hands and he's thought about her with every joint and every, like, with every cupboard, with every shelf. Because she's, she's, um, she's tiny. She's not a tall woman at all. And so, like, yeah. the way that he's arranged the kitchen, the way that he's arranged the cupboard, the way that he's ar- arranged the cellar. Yeah. Um, you know, everything is designed to be the easiest way for her yes. to run their house. 
and um and and I remember that you know she describes it as being a little house, but that but but, but that was nice because, because she's had, always grown up in little houses, and she always likes little houses. <laughs> and <laughs> although didn't wasn't that also like a weird moment in your burgeoning sexuality too as yeah. a kid where yeah. you were like, there's the there's how the... does that wedding night go? Because yeah. they don't like obviously they don't tell you, but like the closing scene is like. They just got married. Mm-hmm. They moved into their new house, and they're not like boning down or anything. They're sitting on the front steps watching the sunset. Yeah, and I remember being like ten and being like, "Um, mm-hmm. hello." Well, but also there is a very clear description though, because the, I mean it's basically a one room house, and um, and so like, you know, there like they there is a description of the bed, and yeah. I remember I remember the time that I read the that book mm-hmm. and was suddenly aware yeah that they were going to do sex on that bed exactly that, that was where all the things were going to happen and like <laughs> so many things exactly. what sort of things unknowable things and like and, and it's just, lore had written that too oh no um and and it, it it's, it's just <laughs> but it's it's it like it's you're so, so keenly suddenly aware, aware of it, it right? oh no well and the thing okay the thing is that if Laura were to have written about like the sexual relationship that they had obviously oh she didn't but like it would have like I have no doubt that it would have been like so matter of fact but in one <laughs> of those ways where it would be like intensely moving and also weirdly erotic because the thing about like okay, the way now that- I want someone to write me like too. a sex scene a la in the style <laughs> of Laura Ingalls Wilder someone write me some Laura Manley RPF oh my god in medium all yeah like, and um I, I yes there yeah I want that now. I do too. Damn it! I know. Damn. I know. You'll talk. Well, I mean, talking about um, carnal needs. Yeah. The other carnal lust that drives our love of this story. It's the food. It's the food. It's all about the food. Oh my god! Like the and, and this is actually one of the ways in which Farmer Boy is so significant because. Yes. It just hits you right there because the descriptions of the food and the descriptions of the feasts and, like, the ways that actually you can tell how well off um, his family was compared to Laura's is in not just what they would eat at the big meals, but what they would just sort of have as a matter of course. And, And just, and how much they would eat when they were working in the fields and how much and, like, and just the sheer... You got such a sense of how hard his mother was working just to prepare the like the, the, the adequate yeah. food to serve what the household needed yeah. to survive on a day to day basis. But it was just, and I'm, I've still I've never gotten over popcorn and will. milk. Popcorn nope. and milk. I'm like one day I'm gonna make Ryan gin bread. Oh yeah. Yep. It's gonna happen. You gotta do it. I, I got it. I mean, there's a cookbook. There, I have the cookbook. Yeah, I have the little house cookbook. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's not just these descriptions of food, right? It's like it's it's these extensive discussions of food preparation. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have convinced myself that when the apocalypse comes, that you'll be able to survive. I will be able to survive because mm-hmm. I read how to make cheese yep. in Little House in the Big Woods. Approximately one million times. Oh yeah, with the cheesecloth and the squeezing and the um, the big cheese wheel yep, and shaving the exactly. edges. Exactly, and um, and butter churning. Yes, like, and and the way that you could tell color the butter. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, and the, and the, and and the the butter molds so that yep. you would have the nice butter pats and like and just all of these different things because part of it was just that you know the preparation of food and and 
food and sewing, and sewing somewhat less interesting. Um, Clearly to Laura, somewhat less interesting. Laura did not enjoy sewing at all. Um, Although I will always remember the way that she would talk about making buttonholes, because um, there was one summer where she was working on her Saturdays um, after being a teacher where she would... um, Sew shirts. She would would sew shirts for all of the... All of the men who were in town building building up the town at that point because there was a bit of a boom, and um, and she got really 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 good at sewing buttonholes and how you had to be really really careful to make sure that they were exactly the right size because if they were too small or too big it just fucked the entire thing, and then you had to whip the stitches through to keep them to keep them on and how she had taught herself to do them super efficiently and super well because she hated them so much. <laughs> and so she just wanted to get them done and done and done. And that was always something that as a kid I was like, wow, in terms of just like both the idea of being able to do that from a dexterity standpoint, yeah. but also just the like, I have to get this done. And so the only way to make this remotely tolerable <laughs> is to do it as fast as I can and as best as I can. Uh, anyway, sorry, I just, just like derailed this from, from food. But so, but with the food, it was, everything had to be done every fucking day, you know? Like, there was, yes. there, were, there were no other options. And so it was such a central part of what her day-to-day life would be as part of helping her mother run the house. Yep. And... And also, you were hungry so much of the time. And I mean, like, the particularly interesting thing about it, like, Farmer House is absolutely, like, a feast of mm-hmm. a book, right? Like, the whole book is basically just food after horses, after sledding, after yeah. bullwhip, after food. Um, but the Little House books themselves do not have specific, like, they're not wealthy, and they eat a lot of, like, fried salt pork yep. and beans and cornbread every day, yep. but it's the up, it's the little pieces of ingenuity that you find oh, in yeah. food that make it particularly delightful. Like, she makes green tomato pie. Like, Mom makes green tomato oh, yeah. pie, and then she makes a black blackbird pie. I was just about to say the blackbird, because, because the blackbirds, I mean, it was a tragedy, because the blackbirds ate their entire corn crop. Mm-hmm. And and so Pa was like, well, this is going to be great because we're going to have blackbird pie. It's going to be fantastic. Or he's, he kills all the blackbirds. And then he makes what Pa thinks is, and she makes what, what Pa thinks is chicken pot pie. Mm-hmm. And it's made of blackbirds. And it's, and it's this moment that, like, has taken something that has basically fucked them for one more year financially. Yeah. And tries to turn it into something. Good. Lovely. Yeah. And and it's this really it's this really interesting moment where it's him genuinely complimenting Ma on being a great cook. And it's also the two of them agreeing to sort of continue to put on Yeah. This um this good front, not just for the kids, but like for themselves. That yeah. like that it's gonna be okay. I mean, you, ha- you would you had have to. to. Exactly. Uh, what else was really spectacular? I mean, like, every year when they talk about their Christmas mm-hmm. feast, it was always, like... And the candy that he would bring back? Yeah. It was just, like... And the thing was, they were never super rich. They never had, like, elaborate Christmases. But somehow the scarcity of this of mm-hmm. the special occasion... Yep. Made it incredible. Well, so I remember, I think it was in Big Wood still, um, when they each got an orange for the first yes. time. And it was just absolutely Do you amazing. remember whorehound candy? Mm-hmm. I've, I've had whorehound candy before. 
because I went to like an old timey uh-huh. place. Yep. And they sold whorehound candy. And you were like, I'm gonna, like, like, I'm going to have this. I'm going to have this and pretend that I am Laura. Mm-hmm. And that shit is disgusting. Oh, it's gross. It's, 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 so it's, it's gross. no good. It's no good. It was like all of my dreams shattering me <laughs> I was like, Laura, how could you screw me like this? Oh my god. Well, and it and it's one of those things where the I look back on some of them on some of the books as well, and like thinking of the Christmas always makes me think of the Christmas where Pa got got lost in the blizzard, mm-hmm. and and like thinking back on how, in some ways. The it would be so wretched to read those books and actually fear mm-hmm. for whether or not something genuinely terrible was going to happen to anyone beyond Mary's blindness. Yeah. Because Pa almost dies like 17 billion times. Hells yeah. But you never really, I never as a child, actually worried that he was going to because we we viewed him as Pa as children. Right. And and so even like you know reading about because there there was there was one there was one time that he was walking back um, I can't remember if it was from the railroads or if it was just from from the town it might have just been from the town and um, and he got caught in a blizzard and it was the day before Christmas or um, or it might have even been the twenty third and um, the only way that he survived was because he uh, ate the Christmas candy and he well he found a haystack. And he dug himself into the haystack, and that plus the snow gave him enough insulation, and there was, like, a pocket of air. And he ate all the Christmas candy that he had in their pockets and managed to survive Mm -hmm. for, like, three days. Yeah. And then made it back home. And and it's one of those things, and then he apologized for eating the Christmas candy. And, like, and... I forgive you. Exactly. Right? And, but, but it's just this moment of... Of like, can you imagine the terror? I, you know what, and the thing is that like, I'm sure that the kids would have had like, a sort of muted version of that. But being but like, ma, being ma, being like, ma in that situation. Like when you grow up and reread these books, mm-hmm. you will read these books very much from the point of view of Caroline, mm-hmm. and it completely upends the paradigm of yep. these novels. Because you sit there as a child, and it's all wonder and delight, and, like, then the sadness comes, and then, And then you like, skim a little bit, because you're like, well, things yeah, are... Yeah, yeah, whatever. And then things get exciting again, and Let's get like, to oh, the name it's, cards. like, beautiful romance and stuff right. like that. And it's like, the, the, nov- the story is really only good in the very beginning, and then it's, like, decades of suffering. <laughs> and then when they're finally comfortable, her children start leaving her to get married to, like fancy horse-having people and go far away when all she wants is them to be, like, safe and, like, happy and, like... Yeah. I just, I, like, sit there and I just, like, fume on her behalf. Yeah, and and I think that, you know, like, Ma... And but but that's one of the other things that's so interesting about like the time is that like Ma had it worse than a lot of people and a lot of women did for sure, but she also could have had it so much worse. She very much could have. And it's one of those things where it it just it wasn't it it one of the other things that's remarkable about the books is the fact that it somehow it's not that it doesn't romanticize it a bit because it absolutely does, but it could have as you mentioned earlier, there are so many rough edges that could have been sandpapered all the way off mm-hmm. and just aren't. And and that's part of actually what makes it feel like a real story rather than yeah. just like a fantasy, you know? Well, 
talking about this is a good place to mm-hmm. sort of segue into like who was holding the sandpaper mm-hmm. here. Now, to get into this to have it make sense, you have to know a little bit more about Laura's like post these happy golden years, the first four years life, where her and Manly, he always called her Bess, um, because he had a sister named Laura, and that would have been weird, and she always Fair. called her Manly. Uh, and his name is also weird, because it's like a family, it's like passed down through the family, and it's like a legend that some ancient relative of theirs was saved by... by more and Yeah, so. named Almanzo, and that's how he got his name. Right. So Manly and Bess try to make their farm work in Desmet or like in the area around Desmet and they just like reach years and years of crop failure. failure. So it's like crop and the house burns down at some point. Like failure, uh crop failure, house burns down, they lose a their baby. Boy. Their, their their boy dies. Yeah, they have a son and he dies. Um they both get horrible dysentery and manly ne- no, sorry, diphtheria. And he never quite recovers. He never from quite it. recovers because Laura at least stayed home and recovered slowly. He went back to work as soon as he could and therefore like basically did himself permanent damage. And she and her health was like horribly impacted as well. So they were never able to have more children and he was never as strong as he used to be. And the two of them eventually decided to go to Mansfield, Missouri in order to make a new life for themselves. And at this point they had a daughter named Rose who, by all accounts, was terribly, terribly bright and hated living in the Ozarks yep. and resented her parents for dragging her there yep. to be like hill people and poor people. There's actually a fairly good series that's a sequel to the Little House books written by a friend of Rose Wilder's, um, which I have read. I haven't read that one, actually. I've read all of them, and I actually like them quite a bit. Uh, and it's all about her life as a little girl in the Ozarks. Um and you continue to see this, like, lovely relationship between Laura and Almanzo, though. So I think it's worth it. Okay. And it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that, like, in terms of my lifelong OTPs, there there are probably one or two other ones that, like, compete with them in terms so of, So, like, like, Larry Stylinson, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who I thought was, like, a person for a really long time. Not joking. For a really long time, I thought Larry Stylinson was a member of One Direction. He's the sixth member. Until someone was like, there's nobody named Larry in One Direction. I think I was in a Claire's, like, in Northern Virginia one year around Christmas with Mary and Kate. And they were like, there's no one named Larry in One Direction. I was like... But then what about Larry Stylinson? And someone oh. had to tell me oh. that that was the smush name of a pair. <laughs> oh, proof. I'm so old. Anyways. Oh, oh, bless. That OTP <laughs> excluding, aside. Excluding that OTP. Um, I'm so invested in not them having a perfect life after they marry, because obviously we all know they that they did not. I think um, that makes it better somehow. No, exactly, because they were real. And like yeah. and, and, and I mean that sincerely, just the, like they you know, like they didn't have a perfect marriage, like no one does, but also like they they went through hell together at times. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they got married because they should get married. And like and like that like that's the part of it that like hits for me is mm-hmm. the fact that like theirs was actually a good relationship like they they got married even at the time 
for the right reasons, if yeah. there are right reasons for that. They got and, married for the best reasons you could. Exactly. And, um, but yeah, but so, so Rose. Rose grows up in the Ozarks, and as soon as she possibly can, as a teenager. Leaves. GTFOs to, I think, San Francisco, mm-hmm. right? To stay with an aunt. Um, and becomes a very well-known writer time. and journalist and editor at the time. She was actually a very well-known author at mm-hmm. the time. And no one remembers her anymore except as... Being the daughter of uh, Laura. Laura Ingalls Wilder. And basically... I always say it Wilder. And, like, and I... And I don't I, know which one's and right. And I have no idea which one is right either, but, like, it's it's really interesting. Like, I know. Because it's one of those things where it's like, who is actually going to tell us the correct pronunciation? I mean, it? Manly can tell me any day what the right pronunciation of his name is. Yep. Uh, if you guys have not looked up a picture of this fella... Damn! He is fine! She did really well for herself. Uh-huh. Like, like... It's who is it that he looks like? Because there's there's someone he he looks like a famous celebrity. So Rose, you know, she becomes a journalist. She becomes a novelist. I think that she also writes. I can't remember if she wrote like tra- travel books as well, but something like that. She married a dude who was terrible. They ended up getting divorced. Um, and but the, I don't know who he looks like. He just looks like handsomeness. Oh yeah, no. There. Anyway, he's really good looking. Google him. Yes, and um. And she ends up finding, or either Laura shares it with her, or she finds it. I actually don't know which one it is. But Laura is writing her memoirs. And Rose basically starts making it palatable, essentially, to the public. And one of the things that's actually really interesting about Rose as a person, and which I have no idea how this happened given who her parents were, except for the fact that she clearly wanted to get the fuck out of Dodge so much that she probably rejected so much of like what her parents' um, reality was in a lot of ways, is that she was like a crazy fucking libertarian. Yep. And like was a massive defender of Hoover. And like... <laughs> And, like, all of these crazy things. And it's totally nuts because, I mean, beyond the fact that, like, one of the places where you really can't actually be a libertarian, even though everyone thinks that 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 you should be able to be, is if you're in the middle of fucking nowhere on the prairie. Because the only way that any of those people survived was because they had to depend on each other and take from each other. And also, anything about, like, government is kind of ridiculous, but given the fact that the only reason why they were on the homesteads is because the government government was giving them the land so that they would settle the land on behalf of the government. And if they won the bet, as Pa always said, with the government, then they would get to own it after five years. And so it's this really... I genuinely find it fascinating, like, how... Like, how she became who she was. I I feel like it's like um the extreme reaction. No, like, absolutely. It's I like mean, a fucking Alex P. Keaton situation. Exactly. You know, and or or you know, the the children of punk rockers end yeah, up being like, you perhaps. know, exactly. And um <clears throat> but so she she was encouraging Laura um to publish them but like very much so wanted her to kind of to make it nicer and to make it less hard and to make it less boring and make it less boring and um, and it's really interesting. Like there, there's a a recent book that was published that neither one of us can actually get our hands on. Um, is uh, the annotated um, little pioneer house. girl? Yeah, yeah. and um, which is a her manuscript that's then been um, you know footnoted and all that of of 
what she's talking about when she's talking about it. because like one of the things that I actually was was thinking about with the books recently is the fact that like I had very very little concept of how what Laura was going through related to yeah. general U.S. history at all. Yes. Like, it's really interesting to think about the fact that, like... They live in such a bubble. They're in such a bubble, and, like, and the and what she depicts is such a bubble, but, like, the fact that, you know, she's a teenager 20 years post-Civil War. Like, yeah. you know, it's right in the middle of Reconstruction. Like, it's, it's just... There's... There's so much going on in, in the broader world, and, like, the only thing that I remember even hearing about the war, particularly, is that one of Ma's brothers... Yeah, came back from the war. Um, totally Weird. fucked up. Yeah. He plays a trumpet. Yeah, it's real bad. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, that's one of the only real mentions. Like, there are a couple of other, like, indications of the fact that there was a major, like, seismic shift in terms of, like, what was going on in the country. Yeah. 20 years prior, you know. Ten years prior, at the beginning of um, of Big Woods, but it's but, but it's really. So, but I think that also contributes to the mood of the story, absolutely. Right? Where they're like so divorced, they're from, so isolated, they're so in, in the midst of like their yeah. own survival that you know. It's you get hard the to newspapers even... like once a month, right? You know that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so Rose Wilder and her mother had like years long collaboration to create these books. And, I mean, Rose, by all accounts, was sort of a difficult personality. Yeah. And I think... Was very critical of of her books. So mean about her mom's right. I mean, like, in the end, it ended up well, because, like, these books are lovely, and Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that it's a significant portion of that reason is because Rose went through and very critically edited them. But I'm just sitting here thinking, like... Could I ever critically edit my mother? Well, and also, like, God, that would that would be like getting the worst kind of beta. Oh, like, like getting that. Oh, I I just I can't even think because about it's it really. like bad on three levels, right? right? Number one, it's getting edited always is kind of rough, especially when it's like an actual critique edit and not just like fandom beta where you're like you fucking spelled this word wrong, um, and then. Number two, it's, like, from a family member, your daughter. Like, mm-hmm. that's got to be extra weird. Mm-hmm. And number three, there she's critiquing the content of your life. Yep, and how you're depicting what your life is. Yeah. And and yet, at the same time, clearly something about the partnership worked. Worked enormously well. Because both from a narrative standpoint, even the books that, like, you know, I would, like, if if I were given that as a manuscript and had any sort of, like emotional distance from the story itself, I would be like, maybe you don't need to write this. Right. Want to start this novel with, like, seven chapters of utter dreck. Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like, maybe. Just just an idea. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. But on the other hand, one of the things that's so, that is so delightful about the books as an adult to go back and read them is they they are written with such a deceptively easy style. Yes. That they're, like, there's nothing showy about the description. There's nothing showy about how anything is set up. Mm-hmm. It's just very, it, it's the sort of effortless feeling writing mm-hmm. that, you know. It actually like takes forever. Hours and hours and hours. And where, and where even though it was written at this point 80 years ago, mm-hmm. it, it's still... 
it doesn't feel stuffy or stodgy in the way that no. it could at all. No, you know, not at all. And these um, books are very much personify the phrase timeless, mm-hmm, for sure. And it and it's one of those things where, you know, one of the reasons why I want to read Pioneer Girl is to sort of have a sense of how much of that was, you know, in the raw meat of what yeah. she had written, and and I feel like a lot of it had to have been because I. Because I think that there are a lot of, like, the descriptive elements of it, and there are a lot of the um, sort of basic stories of, like, you know, Big Woods, mm-hmm. where if a good writer had gotten a hold of those stories, could probably have overhauled them, and probably have, like, made them into something that was, like, entertaining to read. I'm not sure that it's the sort of thing that you could have done to someone else's writing for something like These Happy Golden Years, where you get the feeling of what the relationship between Laura and Manly was through the house. Yeah, I don't know. That's true. And and I mean, and maybe I'm, you know, we are like full tin hat though. No, I know. <laughs> like like we fully admit that like we are like deep tin hat territory <laughs> on this. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it must be said that, like, we, we talk about Laura's, like, this babe in the woods who was, like, writing her memoirs finally. She had been, like, a published oh, newspaper no, columnist oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah, decades yeah. at this point. No, I mean, I don't, I don't at all think that Laura was someone who, um, who suddenly started writing at the age of 60 or however old she was when she first started writing them and then all of a sudden they discovered this gift that had been, like, laying dormant or anything like that at all. Like, I mean, there's the, there's the, um, there's the, the brief essay that she writes about ambition. Yes. Um, that she has to write in school and she's never written an essay before and she has, like, 15 minutes before, um, class <laughs> starts and she jots off this, like, masterpiece and, like, um... Which she claims is mostly, mostly from, from the, the dictionary. dictionary. It's not very much like the dictionary at all. There are no corrections. And, like... We're the worst nerds. <laughs> oh my god. We need to just like be taken out back and shot. <laughs> okay. The fact that A, you knew exactly the reference, and B, you knew exactly the follow line that the teacher said after Laura's claim about the essay. My god, both of us are the worst. <laughs> okay. So clearly. She knew how to tell stories. I can't speak now because like, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've done permanent damage to myself. She's Gentleman Jack, like in her sinuses right now. But like, clearly, she she had a talent that was always there, mm-hmm. and she also um, like one of the things that the, one of the other books that's published about her or that has published works of hers um, are her letters that she wrote to Rose when Rose lived in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and. Um, I haven't read all of it, but, like, but you you get a real sense of what her writing was and how she saw the world. And as you say, like, the way that she became accustomed to viewing the world and being like, well, how can I describe this for mm-hmm. someone else? And and also, like, I just feel like, and this is 100% me projecting and I don't even care. Like, it's it's so obvious that stories were important were important to Laura mm-hmm. and like stories and songs like there's so many songs that Pa would sing to her that she has um in all of the books as well like that was really important and like him playing the fiddle and like that being a part of it and also just the way that you would stave off the boredom of what their lives were for so much of the time yes you know and I remember 
I remember the stories of how much she hated Sunday and also Manly and how much he hated Sundays because they weren't, Manly in particular because he wasn't allowed to do anything after church, but the same thing was true for her and that she wasn't able to read the picture book and she just had to deal with the Bible and how... Yeah, it's such a strange concept that, I like, know. on the day of rest, you wouldn't be able to read other I know. than the Bible. Yep. So, obviously, that was when they got up to the most trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think there's a story that, is it Pa that tells a story about what, what he did when he was a child? Uh, and they, yes. Yeah. And, and sneaking out. The sled and the pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Good times. <laughs> the best. Um. But I think the thing that I wanted us to sort of close out on Mm -hmm. was, I think the, we've we've talked a lot about how, like, authentic this story feels, but there's still, like, a lot of elements of this story that you don't find out about until you start doing, like, fucking deep nerd-ass research into the Little House series. And we were just talking about how, like, we both have some, like, weird Little House factivia stuff. (laughs) So you go first. What were you going to say about Rose and the Long Winter? Oh, just the fact that, um, like, I find actually, like, with with the Long Winter in particular, the idea of her of her political views being the most kind of baffling to yeah. me. Because so what happens in the in the, in the little in the Long Winter is that. Um, they're all slowly starving to death because the trains can't run because the, it snowed from like. October until March. March. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like six months of straight snow and it never went above freezing. And yeah. so they were never able to get the, um, the railways cleared long enough to get any supplies to the town. And, and there was like some, there was some grain that was in the town itself. And like, um, Royal, who's Manley's older brother, um, the two of them like created a secret compartment um, to like hold some of the wheat, and um, and Pa figured it out. Figures it out and is like, so um, you're gonna give me that wheat? Yeah, you're gonna you're just gonna give me a bucket of it. That's all. I just need a bucket. We're all we're all starving to death. We're all twisting together straw to burn because that's the only thing that we have to like get us through this right now. And then um, and then Manly and Cap go off. On like a wild goose chase, basically, yep. to bring back grain to save the entire town, essentially. Yeah. And and the thing for me with that with Rose is the fact that like this has to have been a story, yeah, that she knew about. And and I just find that and a couple of the other stories, especially around Long Winter, in terms of how they had to come together as a community to be so antithetical to the political beliefs that she held exactly yeah and like and the general principles of them and just and i mean i i I can sort of see how you could twist it in a way where you can like interpret it as being like standing up for yourself kind of whatever fucking bullshit but i find it i just find it so deeply deeply weird yeah it's also deeply weird because we sympathize so empathize and sympathize so deeply with her mother yep to like know about her daughter, I feel like she's always at a disadvantage. With yes, us because oh no, absolutely. Like we, like Laura is like my best friend. She yeah. and I grew up together. Absolutely. And like this punk yeah. that she had, who did she think she is? 
Yeah. She doesn't know her. Yeah. Like, that's genuinely... Yeah, that's my, like, knee-jerk reaction. Like, like how dare I'm... you not appreciate what your mother went through? I know. And, like, the letters critiquing her writing, I'm like, oh, uh, what? I mean, I'm sure you're right, but what? what? No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, so there's that, and there's also the fact that... So... I would like like we've been talking about the little house world is it's not sterilized but it is sanitized. Uh-huh. So I think the way that Laura described um, the books is that everything in the books did happen, right? But not everything that happened went into the, the books. books. So like there were some dreadful miscarriages, like their little brother died, that sort of thing. Um, and the, and like. I never knew reading the books as a child that they ever that she ever had siblings no. other than Carrie and Grace who are the little ones. Yeah. Um, because we just never meet the ones who don't survive. Right. Um, and actually, like the more research I do, the more weird stuff I find. Like, okay, so this is a this was one that like I was like, what about? So you know Maj China Shepherdess. Uh huh. So the China Shepherdess is a very important part of the books. She is this little ceramic figurine that Ma owns, and every time they move house, she unpacks it from the newspaper and puts it on the shelf that Pa made her. And that's how you know their home. Like, that is the indicator of their home. Right. And apparently, when Laura was older, and she was still giving talks and things about the books... Uh, a child wrote in and was like, whatever happened to the China Shepherdess? And Laura was like, oh, I don't know. I think Carrie has it somewhere. And it just blows my mind that, like, it wasn't special to her. Right. That to us, that this, like, this stupid China Shepherdess is, like, so meaningful. Right. And that to her, it's like, yeah. Well, and, and I think, though... And maybe that's Rose. I mean, well, so it could be Rose, but it could also just be the, like, necessary step back of... How do I give a signifier to the reader yeah. of what this means? And I'll take something that was a real thing, but, but you know, just because it meant that to Ma yeah. didn't mean that that necessarily meant that to Laura. Yeah. And, but I, but I feel the same way where it's, I mean, in some ways, the way that I feel about the Little House books and about the specifics of what happens in all of them is very similar to the way that I feel about, like, all of my fandoms. And, like, yeah. you know, obviously with Larry Silenson, like, one of the things about that fandom is that you remember things that happen in like crystal clear detail because you see an individual moment from one interview that happened like two and a half years ago yeah over and over and over again in like every different kind of gift set form and so like I can tell you exactly what happened in this interview, and the people who were actually in said interview yeah. don't remember it at all, because for them, it was one interview that they did in the course of how many fucking interviews. Yeah, that's true. And and I feel like, what must that have been like for her, where it's like, obviously she did remember it well enough, and like the things that she wrote about were significant enough for, for her to include them in her books, but on the other hand, it's like, there's the difference of how you experience what your memories of your life are and what people remember from how you tell the stories. Yeah, that's true. And, um, and, and I say that and I'm like, and I have to tell myself that because the idea that the shepherdess wasn't important <laughs> is really distressing, you know? And like, right? yeah, it is like, it's, it's genuinely, like instinctively, I know I agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, it's just like, I feel like weirdly like betrayed. Right. Exactly. Because it's the China shepherdess. And, and obviously there's going to be tons of that sort of stuff where, like, there's, you know, like, there are suggestions yeah. 
of not great stuff. Yeah. And, like, there are definitely, like, there are the characters, like, there, you know, there are drunk men. Yeah. And there are, you know, like, the world feels threatening, for sure. Yes. In certain ways. But it was never in a way that made me dwell on it as a child. Yeah. And as an adult, it just sort of makes me go, hmm. You know, this is, this is the, this is the gentled version of reality. Right. Although, I mean, so this brings us to our last topic. Right. And one notable absence in our very long discussion now on the Little House books is the fact that a lot of people know Know Little House on the Prairie as a television series. Which, um, for those of you who may not know, it was a nine or ten year running television series from the 70s into the 80s, but then also has been in syndication pretty much non-stop since since then. And, um, and I, I, this is one of the first examples of me being a total dick about canon, because when I was a kid, like, I never saw The Little House I didn't even know there was a TV show. I didn't either until I went to visit my cousin's. Um, including, uh, including one of my cousins, his name is Laura, and, um, and then her older sister is Carolyn, rather than Caroline, and, like, that, that enough was, like, as a child, was, like, what kind of things, and, (laughs) um, and then I was, I was at their house, like, staying over for a while, and they were gonna watch this show, and I was, like, well, what are you watching, and they were, like, Little House, and I was, like, what? What? And and so we watched an episode, and I don't remember what the episode was. All I remember is that it was wrong. It was and so like, wrong. It was so wrong, and it was like wrong in all of the ways. And so, like as <laughs> a child, like as a child, I was literally just like, "This is not Little House." And they were like, "But but it is." And I was like, "No, you're you're incorrect. Like this thing that you claim to be what you say it is." is not in any way, shape, or form. And you should all feel ashamed. And, like, and I was so righteous, but I was also just, like, genuinely kind of angry about it because, like, I mean, the show itself made no bones about the fact that it wasn't a particularly faithful, Mm -hmm. you know, adaptation of what the books were at all. But I, as a kid in particular, like, I had no way of dealing with the nuance of how you yeah. can adapt things. And, but it was also just not good. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the part, the particular reason that it was so offensive is that show was so treacly. Ugh. It's so it's treacly. treacly. Well, and it's also, it's it's weirdly focused on Pa. Yeah, In a way that the books aren't. And, like... It's, it's, you know, it's a Michael Landon show, and, and it's not that Laura isn't the central, isn't a central character in it, but it's really told from the adult's point of view in a way that misses the point and ends up making it feel saccharine because it's the, like, I'm an adult telling a story for a child the way that I think a child should hear a story. Yeah. And... Which is so not what the books read like at all. Yeah. And, like, that was never my experience of reading them as a child. Well, what's particularly interesting, and I was reading another book about Laura, and I can't remember the story name off, or the book name off the top of my head, but the author starts off in a chapter talking about the television series, because I feel like all, and I, I, I genuinely think this is true, like, most people who are, like, 
quote-unquote serious nerds about Laura Ingalls Wilder eschew the television series mm-hmm. to a greater extent than most other properties, right? Yeah. There's, like, very little crossover. Yeah. I don't really know any people who are, like, really into the books who like the television series. I can't think of anyone. Yeah, neither can I. But she, she was talking about how, like, when she was a child, there were two types of people in the world – the ones who thought Little uh, Little House on the Prairie was a book series, and the ones who thought Little House on the Prairie was a television series. Right. And she never could understand the television series people. And I feel that very, I feel very similarly about yeah. that. And you're right, it's constantly on syndication. And I have actually attempted to watch it. Oh no. But I hate it so much. Oh, and no. it's so wrong. It's like, it's just unbelievably wrong. Like, even without getting into the really obnoxious, like, just blazingly factually incorrect garbage of this um like mary getting married and Uh, stuff like that like that like later fabrications it's just like everything about the series is just inaccurate it just misses the point so much for me It, it it's it's like it's like it took i mean we've all had this like we've all had the beloved you know, book or whatever else that then gets adapted or even, like, if you read a fic by someone where you're like, you don't understand? Why would you do Why this? would you do this? You're wrong and you should feel bad where it's like... And and, and I think because it was such... Like, I, actually, I don't know whether or not for, like, people who get into the Little House books now, like whether or not that holds any currency, because at this point it is 40 years old. But I also don't know if people watch the show anymore. Yeah, you that, know what I mean? No, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. Is that, like, I, I, don't, I don't know whether or not, like, I, I think that we may be sort of, like, the tail end of the generation who was really affected by yeah. the TV series, because I don't know if it has that sort of no, I don't think impact so. that it used to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely remember the constant sort of trial of trying to explain that I'm talking about the books and not the TV show and yes it does actually matter yeah and and then not understanding why people didn't love it the way that I did both because they weren't a gigantic nerd in the way that I was but also because we were talking about two different things yeah and so like of course they weren't going to have the same sort of feeling actually I was looking this up on Wikipedia um before I came over because I needed to you know do a little bit of final prep and um (laughs) clearly because obviously i can't just hold court on this um but one of my favorite things about the um the television series is that there's a fun note there's a there's um there was like a made for television movie (gasps) i know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) is this the movie where her and almanzo have sex in the prairie, like literally in the prairie, and it's just like, what are you doing? They have like a house right there, and like in a sexy, spontaneous thing, <laughs> which she would never do because she was sixteen and like whatever. No, like drags him into the prairie grasses. Oh my god, to make sweet love to uh, him. I... <laughs> Clearly, we both watched it. It was so. It was. <sighs> And then they blow it all up. Do you know about this part? No. Oh, so the um, where where the town was that they built, um, they they had to then um, restore the town to it, like the the area to its former state, which was going to like cost a huge amount of money. And so they're like, well, what if we demolish it? But we have that as being a show. 
And so we'll just film it. And we'll just invent this whole storyline. I'm really glad I didn't watch this show. I know. Although I would genuinely like, I would genuinely meet you here. I was just with about this to say. whiskey again. I was just for about to like say. a rewatch of that shitty movie. Oh. If we can find it again. Oh, I'm sure we can. Um, I, we may have to do that. I'm in. I'm in. That's because literally, I'm not joking, guys. All I remember about that movie <laughs> so bad. was like her being like, "Let's make love in the prairie." <laughs> like I was pretty young back then. Yeah, like we were probably in high school when this came out, and I remember sitting there with like my coke and my popcorn on my couch at my house because this was a CBS television movie or something oh, like that. God, being like, "What's happening?" I don't think that's how Happy Golden Day. <laughs> <laughs> So it's so distressing. I know, and it's there's something instantly transporting about this canon where like you're instantly like, but no, because no. like outside of that context, I would have been like, yeah, whatever, yeah, like yeah. fucking a prairie, go for it, man. But like within that context, I was like, but he built you a little house, <laughs> exactly. Why wouldn't you? There, there, there's there's a bed and it has the quilt on it and it's like right there for you and yeah, like you made the pillow exactly. <laughs> You guys both made things for each other and brought them to your little house. Why would you have sex with the cat? I could probably see you. Like, stop it. You're probably doing it on a gopher house. What's wrong with you people? (laughs) And I mean, like, the particularly absurd part about us being hung up on this is, like, probably fucking outside was more common back then. Yeah, I mean, who's to say that that's not, like, historically accurate, but, like, it's not, it's not faithful to the narrative as we knew it. Okay? I also choose to believe she wouldn't do that. I actually don't, I, I, I don't believe that she would. I think that's completely out of character. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, it's just, may, maybe in a carriage. Oh, gee, I mean, she'd be up for it in a carriage. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it would start on the horses. And so she'd have, yeah, mm. And then you'd have, like, some weirdness. <laughs> Like, this is why every fandom I'm in, I really want to write, like, a little house on the prairie at you. I know. Because I want to write, like, all the raunch weirdness that, like, lives inside my head but can't touch Laura. No, well, and, and it's one of those things where, like, I'm sure that it actually, like, obviously, you know, one of the things that she didn't write about was any of, like, that kind of <laughs> Well, like, you can't realness. even say sex in the context of Laura. Any of that kind of realness. <laughs> I just... I don't know. Like, it's just, well, I was thinking, like, bodily functions, generally speaking, but, like, just, I can't, Yes. Yeah. like, there, there's something biological about it that doesn't ever touch anything yeah. about how they are. Like, like, there's lots of stuff about her hair, there's lots of stuff about, like, how she's dressed, there's lots of stuff about, like, what they do, yep. but there's nothing about her actual physicality beyond mm-hmm. the fact that when she's wearing a corset, she can't breathe, yeah. which is the reason why she takes it off every night to sleep instead of sleeping in it like Mary did. And, like... Mary's a fucking weirdo. I know, but, you know, spanning, spanning the, the waist with Pa's hands. Nah, man, I yeah. gotta eat. I know. But, um... <laughs> but, so, like, there's... It, it, like, I think that that's actually the part of it for me. It, it, it's less that, like... Like, I think that in some ways, you know... They all lived on farms. Like, they had a certain sense of, like, well, this is what you need to... Like, yeah, you know? But it's so removed from what my idea of her is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
Um, and part of it is also just that, like, no matter which way I think about it, it, it like, sort of fucks me up. Because, yeah. like, either they're just having terrible sex in order to have babies and they succeed really once. Yeah. Or they actually do have an active, vibrant sex life. Which is weird. And I can't quite get there, you know? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And, like, I would rather believe it was the second, but honestly, I would rather I would just, rather not think about it. I would it. rather just think of them as being, like, Ken and, you know, Barbie dolls. I choose to believe that they had an active, happy sex life. Yeah. But that I don't want to ever think about it. It's like, like, I believe it to be true. I mean, it, it's sort of similar to, like, how you don't want to think about your relatives having sex. Like, yes. Like, that there's just, there's a certain, like, that is infringing on your privacy. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. that it, that is for you. I'm happy that you guys are so enthusiastically moving furniture late at night. Exactly. <laughs> I don't need to know about the other stuff that right. you're doing while you're redecorating your room. Listen, I mean, <laughs> I mean, listen, that cellar was perfect. And, like, that's all that I need. Like That's, that's correct. You know. The little, the little cupboard and the pull-out drawer for the flour and the cornmeal. Exactly. Like, that's, that's fucking all night long in yep. any other fandom for me. Like shit's more intense than fucking all oh night long. God. It's real estate. Oh my god. It's hand jointed cupboards. <laughs> like, let's not lie, folks. That shit gets me wetter than oh like Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any recs to close this shit show out with? Um well, I mean, I, obviously, everyone should read the entire series. Yes. I mean, and, and I do think that, like, the first four years are completely optional. Like, yeah. And, and, and one of the other things, though, I will say about the series as a whole is even though we obviously know far too much about what so happens much. after these happy golden years, none of my knowledge of what happens later has ever impacted my yeah. enjoyment of what happens in those eight books, which is the other thing that's remarkable about the canon. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works. I don't know how it is that that story may, may like is, is distinct and like protected from yeah. anything else. Well, it lives inside of a bubble. Exactly. Yeah, well, right. In the yeah. same way that it does from like the historical reality exactly. of Exactly. what else no, is I happening. agree. I agree entirely. I would say um, I would recommend people give a shot. If you can get a copy of it, and I think you can get th- these on Amazon, and they're definitely in used bookstores, and I'm sure there's a reprint of it available, because um, especially if you're ever reading this these book series with children, oh yeah, because of the food, people get very, very curious yeah, and so about the, the food. And the cookbook is great. The cookbook is great. The Little House um, cookbook is really wonderful because it's not just recipes. A lot of it is a historical discussion about the role and the import of food. And it gives you a lot of context for why specifically Farmer Boy is such an extraordinary piece of work, especially because um, you realize with a little bit more digging that Farmer Boy is half fantasy. Like, because while Almanzo's family was wealthy, like, they couldn't have been that wealthy. Right. And the descriptions of the food are sort of, like, glistening and, like, almost erotically, oh, no, like, absolutely. fascinated. It's, it's by far the most sexual part of the entire yeah. know, series. Um, it's really wonderful, and it will actually show you, tell you how to make, like, sugaring off candy and snow. Yeah. If you want to go for that. And I highly enjoy the book, and I just look through it for funsies. And um, the other book that I would recommend is the collection of letters that Laura sent. Uh, they're mostly to Rose. They might be exclusively to Rose. I can't remember. Um, but 
And then, no, there are also the letters that she wrote back to Manley when she went to visit Rose in San Francisco. She wrote an airplane. Ah, yeah. So, Laura, think about how remarkable this girl's life is, right? Yep. Like, she tra- She crossed America in a covered wagon, yep. and she flew in an airplane. And she, and, I mean, she lived to be in her 80s? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, both she and Manley actually lived, like, he died before she did, but they both had pretty long yes. lives given. Um, given how they grew up, given what they went through, like, given the illness that they suffered, and, um, but yeah, like, it's it's the sort of thing where I, I don't know how, I don't know what it would be like to start reading these as an adult. Yeah. Um, but I will say, having read them as an adult, that they really do hold up both from the writing standpoint and also just from the sheer storytelling and, you know, like, I can't really think of a better series of eight books to read during, like, the worst part of February, <laughs> in all seriousness. Yeah, and it's true, because you will get to Long Winter and be like, I have nothing to complain about. Oh my god. Um, and my last recommendation, and this is for the hardcore Little House Fields who really want something else to read in that sort of family, um... I actually really enjoy the Little House on the Rocky Ridge books, and this is a series of books about Rose Wilder's childhood and about Manly and Bess when they live in Mansfield, Missouri, and are trying to make an apple orchard happen on the Rocky Ridge farm. Like, as they say, it's it felt like the land grew rocks. It was called Rocky Ridge, guys. <laughs> you were warned. Um, the books are darling. Uh they're the only time I like Rose. And I think they're really charmingly written. And it shows yet another period of transitional history. They're they're not written quite with the same dross as the original Little House books, but they're written by Roger Lee McBride, who was a very good friend and sort of like a foster child of Rose Wilders. So there is a sense of like familial intimacy there. And if you just like cannot get enough of the Little House series and want to know more about Laura and Almanzo's life after these happy golden years, I highly recommend them. The first four books, at least, in that series are really good. So, yeah. Um, I, I This has to wrap it up for us. <laughs> like, we could keep going, but we, we mustn't, or else we'll come up with a thesis for that Dismet conference. I mean, I, I still say that we should do it. We could also, you know, at, at some point we do need to uh, make a pilgrimage <laughs> to Wilder <laughs> So, Alonzo's <laughs> family farm is in upstate New York, and they actually, like, are open parts of the year, and, like, I just, I'm really worried about us the day that that actually happens. <laughs> I do think that we're going to need to report back if and when that does happen. I mean, what if we show up in cosplay? Like, that's the problem. Like, what if we dress up for this? Like, full prairie dresses and bonnets, and we show up. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's... Okay, well, well, we'll we'll discuss. Yeah, I mean, like, we'll, we'll, like, fight the urge when the time comes. (laughs) But guys, thanks for hanging out with us during this ridiculous episode of Slash Report. Thanks, Anne, for hanging out. Thanks for having me. All right. um, During the week, you can find Slash Report at Slash Report on Twitter or at Slash Report on Tumblr, even though we don't really post anything there. You can find me at Often Imprudent. You can find Anne at Mistress Kirby. Um, And that does it for us this week. We will catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye.
saying that, like, as a child, mm-hmm. or, like, when you're young, or, like, huffing glue a lot, oh, yeah, as the, it was in the, my case with Star the Wars. The one mama, the one mama Ewok, when, when when that one Ewok dies. I, like, mentally made that, like, 50 million Ewoks, <laughs> and I just, like, I was I was literally re-watching this the other weekend, and I was, like, sitting around, and I was like, no, I don't want to watch this one, and they were like, why not? And it was like, it's like Ewok genocide. They're like, like, two Ewoks. I was like, what are you talking about? It's like a bloodbath. <laughs> The thing for me about (laughs) God, this whiskey's really strong. This is deteriorating fast. I feel like this always happens whenever you have me on, because either we're yelling about cockroach cake or. (laughs) 